Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. So a few weeks ago, I had lunch with Bob Peterson, who preached for you last week, and I was so thrilled that he said he was going to preach the sermon on the Beatitudes. And uh, he did a flyover sermon, and I'm going to land on each one of them. <laughs> and uh, so it was, um, it was nice of him to do an introduction. What I hope is that I don't contradict what he said. <laughs> but, um, you know, the first Beatitude, interestingly, I'm going to share what um, Charles Spurgeon says about it. He said, the first Beatitude is given to the absence rather than to the presence of praiseworthy qualities. That's fascinating. The very first beatitude praises somebody who lacks all the good stuff that we think is good, the one who's poor in spirit. It is a blessing not upon one who is remarkable for this virtue or remarkable for that excellence, but upon the one who confesses his own sad deficiencies. So I start with the story of the parable, the parable, pardon me, the story of the Pharisee and the publican. Not Republican, Bob, but (laughs) Republican. Hear the word of God. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't lie, I don't commit adultery, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. And he prayed instead. He beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And... The first beatitude, God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of God is theirs. God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. So we have, as an example, these two characters. The one who thinks so highly of himself, he has accomplished I don't know how much just being righteous accomplishes. I don't know how much just doing all the right things all the right time, I don't know how much that actually gets done. I mean, let's face it, if we wanted to never do anything wrong, we would stay home. But even then, we'd probably find some way to do something wrong. But somebody who prides themselves in their righteousness, uh, I always wonder. 
And so he is thankful to God. He says, thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like all these other people around me. And the reality is he's really talking to himself. He's really sort of racking up his, his very good, good works and good things. Reminding God that, and I do fast, and I do give a tithe. I give a 10% tithe of my income. That should mean something to you, God. And then here's in the same place over on the side is the, um, is the Republican. Oh, pa- pardon me, Bob, publican. <laughs> the tax collector. And he says, it says that he won't lift up his eyes to heaven and instead beats his chest. Is this not where we receive our posture of prayer? Heads bowed, eyes closed, hands folded. This posture of repentance. This is a man who as a tax collector realized that the way he made a living was to fleece his own people. Rome required X amount and he would try to get Y or Z account amount so that he might thereby enrich himself. But a, a regular lifetime of that and it begins to catch up with him. He realizes that he's, he's wrong. He's just not been a good person at all. And who, who knows what else what other damage, whatever wreckage there is because of a life lived like that. And so when he's face to face with God, he, he apologizes and he, he shows forth a deep and profound humility. And he says, I'm not worthy. Not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to do much of anything. And Jesus says, that's the blessed one. That's the one who is, who is really, who is really the, the one who is finding favor, not just in God's eyes, but actually in real life. Because he understands that, that there is little that he has to bring. There's little that he has about himself that, that he has to bring to God. And so he comes to God completely empty. Coming to God empty-handed, the Lord fills our empty hands. And so, so it is that this, these two come together in the same place, and we have this stunning contrast by the story of Jesus. And the one is traveling the broad road, and that is the road of just doing what is expected of him, doing what the world expects, going after all the stuff that the world would have us go after. And one is traveling a narrow road. Interesting. Dag Hammarskjöld, who was the Secretary General of the UN during the 50s and died tragically in 1961 in a plane crash while on his way to do a negotiation. After he died, he kept a diary and he left a note with his friend to have access to that diary after he died. Turns out he was a Christian, and he wrote about his faith quietly, just between himself and God. But he had this to say, the narrow road to live for others in order to save one's soul 
the broad road to live live for others in order to save one's self-esteem. So the Pharisee who thought who thought he was on the narrow road was actually on the broad road. He was, it was all about him. He was amassing this, this righteousness so that it would make him feel better. And he would have that, that sense of esteem. And then there's the one on the narrow road who recognized that he had nothing. And he brought nothing to God. And he had only that which he could receive. So we have, we have two men in sharp contrast with one another. But these aren't men who are going to fight about it. Because one is not going to fight. We have another who is willing to pick a fight, pointing his fingers at those unrighteous ones, and saying how he's glad he's not like them. And how often do we hear that these days? I'm glad I'm not like them. Those people are so bad. We have this political divide, and over that divide is all of this artillery passing back and forth, each side saying how bad the other side is and how awful they are. And we have this this mutuality of Phariseeism. I saw some graphs that showed the bell curves of those who were always liberal and those who were always conservative. And in 2004, those two graphs overlapped about like this. And the latest iteration of that, that graph was 2017. And those who were always liberal were here, those who were always conservative were here, and there was a valley between them. And so we have that kind of valley that all the artillery is passing over. And it's, it's just so difficult to live with all of this, this political self-righteousness and name-calling across the chasm between. And when anyone tries to bring those sides together or, or bring some rational thought into that, uh, they, they're accused of being weak. Oh, what's all this love stuff? What's this all about? Well, all this love stuff, that's kind of what we're all about. And and yet this is a, a time of, of great heightened Phariseeism. And it's painful. So I, unlike Alan Jackson, uh, or like Alan Jackson, I should say, I watch CNN and I watch Fox. I watch both sides. I'll, I'll watch um, Newsmax and I'll watch MSNBC. And, and I'm, I'm just stunned. Where's the humility? Where's the thought? Where's the, where's the recognition that in my attacking another person that, that in pointing my finger, I've got three coming back at me. I mean, where, where's, that, where's that awareness? 
that simple awareness that those people were attacking. They're human beings conceived in the mind of God and here for a purpose in life. So, so Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. The language in the Greek is perfect participle, and that is that the kingdom of God is theirs right now. It's not something that awaits them. The poor in spirit know the joys of the kingdom now. And, and, and that's what the Lord wants for us. Again, Charles Spurgeon refers to the Beatitudes and this first step as the, as the lowest rung on the ladder. And, and it should be easy to get on because blessed are the poor in spirit, those who have nothing, who bring nothing. We don't have any righteousness to offer. We have, we have only our, our depravity. That's what we, we come with. And, and we come confessing. We come aware of that. So Jesus is starting out his, his series of sermons with this affirmation that, that it is the poor in spirit, poor in spirit who are the first blessed. It just doesn't seem right. It seems counterintuitive. I mean, we've been, in, we've been in church all our lives, and we're always, we're always told how we should do this and do that, and, and we always are reminded about all the things that we don't do, and, and uh, our pulpits are full of oughts, what we should do. And, and maybe some of that is so good because it reminds us to be forthright and transparent before one another and our God. But that's the goal. That's the intent. That's the reality of it. And so instead of pridefulness, we, we embrace our humility. So our dear, um, our dear brother and sister, Bill and Gloria, Dominic, I mean, these people are so sweet. And you know, you know that Gloria drives a great big white Rolls Royce. It's like, it stretches from here to that back wall. It's because Bill wanted her to have one, even though they live in a real normal neighborhood. It's just a few doors down from my house, uh, one of my houses. And, and so I see them all the time, and they, they are always so delightful. And I saw Gloria in the hospital this week, and on my way in, I, I stopped at the nurse's station and, and just said, I want to see Gloria Dominic. And she started laughing because she gets everyone who goes in there laughing. And, and Bill, Bill was complaining to me about how that Rolls Royce just eats up tires like crazy. And they tried to get tires at Sam's Club and they won't do it. <laughs> and so instead he had to go back to the dealer. And so Bill and Gloria are there and they're talking and laughing and everything else. And and the service manager said, you know, you people are so nice. We have a lot of people who own this kind of car who come in here and demanding and they're kind of mean. You people are so nice. It was refreshing. But what are they? They're poor in spirit. I can talk about them because they're not here. 
They're poor in spirit. And they're rich in love. They're rich in giving of themselves and, and in care. I remember as a kid, I remember one, one time when I was a, actually a teenager, and well, that's a kid still. And uh, I said to Dad, all the good things I've learned in life, I've learned from Mom. <laughs> and he, you know, he appreciated that. But I, I do remember so many instances, Mother exemplified a sweet humility. I remember when Dad uh, came home with a, a new car, and um, Mom saw the car, and she liked it and everything else, but, but she said, well, it's going to be macaroni and cheese for a while now <laughs> because we had to cut back in order to make room for that. But there was no, there was no pretense. There's no, there was no effort to try to, to try to posture ourselves as something that we were not. And the same, and I did learn a lot from my father. And the same with him. He, he was a good man, a dear man, but you would never hear it from him. He was forthright about the things he struggled with and, and um, as I've shared with you before, I remember one time with Dad, I had an argument, and uh, I'd been, been off to seminary, and you know, I was thinking rather highly of myself. Here I was at Princeton Seminary, Princeton Seminary. And, uh, and I came back, it was Christmas time, and we were arguing at the dining room table. And Dad says to me, well, you're just a kid, and you're telling me and I slammed my fist down on the table, bouncing all the silverware, and went down and downstairs and got my car and drove around town. I came back probably two hours later, and Dad came down. I was staying in the basement. Dad came down into the basement. He came up to me, and he put his hands on his face. And he wept. I'd never seen Dad weep. And he just said, I'm sorry, son. I love you so much. For those who are poor in spirit, they know the kingdom of God now. They know the joys. They know the the hardships. They know what it means to, to be open, vulnerable, transparent, and caring. And Jesus said, blessed are they. Will you join me in prayer? And thank you, Father, that we don't have to pretend it's okay to be like that publican, like that tax collector. It's okay to have a long list of shortcomings and to recognize it and to simply lay it bare before you. Lord God, that is the, that is the portal to your kingdom. And we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.